0: If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Luke chapter 11, put a finger there, and then also uh, move on over backwards to Matthew chapter 6. And today, we are continuing in our series, Holy Habits, and we are looking at the spiritual discipline of prayer. And so, my hope is that we would walk away with from this message today, each one of us with an opportunity to know a little bit more about prayer, but also maybe with a desire to implement it even more into our lives. So if you're able, if you would stand with me this morning for the reading of Scripture, um, we're going to be reading the Lord's Prayer. And what I love about this is this is something that uh, we, we find in the Gospels. Um, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. I think a lot of times we can kind of get nervous and we can kind of like feel like, man, I don't feel like my prayers are good enough or it's good to know that the disciples needed to know how to pray. And so let's dive into scripture from here in Luke chapter 11. This is once Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and he said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. In Matthew, it records the same encounter this way. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them I tell you that is all the reward that they're ever going to get but when you pray go away by yourself shut the door behind you pray to your father in private then your father who sees everything will reward you and when you pray don't babble on as the Gentiles do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again don't be like them For your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask of him. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, as we pray, as we seek your face, as we spend time in your presence, that we would be molded, that we would be shaped, that we would be changed by you. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Before you grab a seat, say hi to maybe someone around you, let them know that you're glad to see them here today. I think we wrongly assume sometimes that we should just naturally be good at certain spiritual things. And we just assume like I should just know it. This should just come natural to me. And then when it doesn't, we start to become we start to wonder, like, why is this such a struggle? Why why it seems like everybody else is good at this but me. <laughs> Why on my first try does prayer not feel natural to me? Again, it's good for us to know that the disciples encountered this exact same thing. And there's somebody else as well. Um, since, since we did have some kids in the room today, I decided to show a video from Lego Batman about the whole concept of first try. So um, just to remind us that not everyone is always great at the first try, including Batman himself. So let's take a look at this clip. He, he probably sends like 22 <laughs> bat things at that before he finally gets it. It reminds me... It reminds me of um, the very first time I ever went skiing. Um, it was awful to watch. Uh, I, I, my, my, my mom took me. My parents were really dedicated to giving us different experiences and letting us try. And I remember uh, the, the little bunny slope that was there, and I was just a, I was just a wee little lad, and uh, I, I go up to it, and uh, the, the lady instructs us that we're going to use the tow rope to go up the hill. I had no clue what a tow rope was. I didn't know how it worked. And so in the process of trying to get it, um, like, hooked so that I can, like, actually get, like, drug up the hill, I ended up, uh, you know how, like, your skis have that little, like, rope that goes around your hand so you don't lose it? Well, the rope got caught on the tow rope. I fell, and I'm getting drug up the hill. So, like, everyone else is just standing there as they're just, like, going to the top, and I'm just sitting there eating snow, getting drugged the entire way up till finally they realized there's a little kid in trouble, and they shut the thing down, and I'm sitting there, and I've got, like, dirt and grass and, like, snow just all over me, and I've been drugged the entire length of this hill going to the top. And I fell multiple times that day. I couldn't figure out the whole wedge thing, like how to stop. So when I'd get to the bottom of the hill, I'd just be screaming, move, (laughs) because I didn't want to take somebody out. Um, When I started, it was awful to watch. But when it ended, it's one of my favorite memories ever. I ended that day having so much fun. So I wanted to go back like the next weekend because I had such a blast. And all I had ever finally learned to do basically was turn left. Right? But, but the thing is this is it, it didn't come naturally to me. I, I'll never forget whenever we finally took my cousin for her first time from Florida, she had never even seen snow. And we took her up to go skiing, and uh, she was so excited, she so loved it that she wanted to immediately go down like one of the big hills. She took out so many people. Like I ca- she hit so many people coming down that hill. It was ridiculous. She was screaming, "Get out of the way!" She's just little kids are flying into the woods. But the truth is this, when it comes to prayer, I think a lot of times we're like that. I think the disciples were like that. Here are these guys who have already given up everything to follow the master. They have sat underneath his teaching. People are looking up to them to make spiritual decisions, and and Jesus is, is putting them down to be like the bedrocks of his church, and the disciples come up to him, and they go, Lord, it's kind of like you get the picture, like one of the disciples has pulled him to the side, and he's like, can you, can you teach me to pray, <laughs> right? And I love this because here's the thing. Sometimes we can feel like everyone has it together but me. And so my prayer for us at the beginning as we're talking about prayer is for us to realize it's okay not to have it all figured out right now. But just like my mom, we need to get back up and get on the bunny hill, right? We need to start doing it. We're only going to get better, and it's only going to feel more natural the more we do it. And what I want you to realize is there's a reason we often feel the way we feel, and it's because there is a strategic attack against the habit of prayer. I want you to read, let me on the screen here just a second, these two quotes. One is from Martin Luther and one's from Ian Bounds. And you can throw it up there, Luke. This is what Martin Luther says He says, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Ian Bounds says, That which begins in prayer ends in power. To have failed in the closet of prayer is to fail in the conflict with evil. Those are two phenomenal quotes about the practice of prayer. But I want you to now, I want you to do this with me one more time. I want you to read these quotes, but I want you to read it from the perspective of your enemy, Satan. If these quotes are true... To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And that which begins in prayer ends in power. To have failed in the closet of prayer is to fail in the conflict of evil. Can I just tell you something? Something tells me if those two quotes are true that the enemy is going to target your prayer life. If prayer is necessity as heir to us as followers of Christ, and if it's one of the greatest powers against evil, I promise you something. It's going to be one of the number one things that he wages war against you in your life. He doesn't want you to have power. He doesn't want you to be connected to the God of the universe. He does not want the holy habit of prayer to become a consistent thing in your life. He does not want you to lean into it and rely upon it. He wants it to become a distant afterthought. Keeping you unengaged in prayer is the chief goal of the enemy for your life. Because he wants to stop your spiritual growth. He wants to keep you bound in sin. He wants to leave you powerless and defenseless to his plans and strategies. We know this from warfare. Every single time that an army attacks another army, one of the first and primary things that they target is the communication lines. They go after whatever way that the enemy could possibly be communicating. And so they attack that because if they can cut off communication, they can create disunity and they can create powerlessness and they can break brokenness. The same is true with our spiritual enemy. If he can attack your communication lines with the one who can fix everything, if he can cut you off from the source of your power, then he has got a massive Foot forward. There is a strategic attack. Listen to me. It is not coincidence that whenever you at night maybe get down on your knees by your bed or, or come up to the altar or whatever, that suddenly everything in the world feels more important. <laughs> have you noticed that like you can sit through a TV show or something for an hour and a half or whatever and not have a single thought in the world, but the second you start to pray, what happens? Your mind is going everywhere. Did I leave the stove on? (laughs) Are the kids alive? Why are they quiet? (laughs) This is unnatural. (laughs) They're actually not bugging me for a second. Wait, I'm supposed to be praying. Jesus, I come before you. I'm kind of hungry. I remember there was a bag of chips on the counter, and it was Lay's. And last week I said that that was my favorite. I'm praying. Jesus, we come. Listen to me. It is not coincidence that every time you start to fight the battle, that there's a battle in your mind. That's strategic. He wants to do everything that he can to keep us from prayer. I want us to look at the sound of this attack. And it looks like this. Unneeded stress, believing lies, and then creating reasons not to engage. Let's take a look at these. Unneeded stress. One of the number one things that I found in doing ministry now for the last 16 years is people come up to me and they'll start talking to me and they'll say, Pastor Josh, I'm just... Whatever you do, please don't ever ask me to pray in front of people. I'm not good at it. I don't want to do that. And what happens, is, it sounds like this. I'm not good at it. Um, They pray better than me, so ask them. Or I don't have the right words. Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or I I just don't know how. Or I don't know all the spiritual words that I should say. Or I I don't know enough. Or I don't have enough faith. And what happens is this. We, We start creating all these lies in our brain. I love this The disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, teach us. They're they're expecting this like massively beautiful, profound, like deeply Pauline theological, like loaded with doctrine. and, And Jesus is like, okay, cool. God, you're my father in heaven. Let your name be kept holy. Let your kingdom come and... Let here on earth your will be done in the same way as it's done in heaven. God, today I'm kind of hungry, so <laughs> if you could help with that. Give me this day our daily bread. Also, we're, we're not great at forgiving, so God, can you help me to forgive in the same way you do? And I realize that every day I'm struggling with temptation, so will you help keep me from temptation and deliver me from the the evil one? I feel like that's something we all can pray. Jesus, he cuts right through the, all the spiritual red tape and he's like, Do you realize that the person from the very beginning, our Father in heaven, we can talk to him? He establishes what the relationship is. The person we're praying to is our Father. I've got three kids, I love to talk to my kids. I love to sit down and, and hear their different things that are going on in their life. It does not have to be profound. Some, we have some of the dumbest conversations known to man. <laughs> right? Like God is okay with you going with just your everyday stuff because guess what? He wants to be involved in your everyday stuff. God's okay with you going, hey, God, today was a rough day at work. Let me tell you why. God loves that. And Jesus establishes that with his prayer. But we have this unneeded stress. We feel like it's got to be these perfect religious words. If there's anything that should cut through that tape, it should be the King David. King David was said to be a man after God's own heart. Go read the Psalms. There's some crazy stuff in there. At one point in time, David's ticked and he says, God, I want you to punch my enemy in the face and break his teeth. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I've never prayed. I want to. But but listen to me. If David can pray that prayer, listen to me. What God is saying is that I want you to come with me with every emotion, every feeling, every situation, everything that you're going through. I want to be involved. David prayed prayers like God, where are you? Why do you seem silent? Why does it seem like you're ignoring me? Guess what? God's okay with that too. That's in scripture. The sound of the tack though, is it creates unneeded stress and we start thinking in our head, like, I I can't do it. Lord, I, I, I wish I could come and pray, but I just don't have the right words. If you have the ability to talk, you have the right words. God is comfortable with you coming to him in your personality just as you are. He does not want you to turn into like King James language and pray to him. He wants you to come to him as you are. Second thing is, believing lies let me tell you some of the lies that we believe we believe that there are right and wrong words or there's a right certain length that we have to hit (laughs) I don't know why but like I've literally had people tell me like I just I can't pray long enough and I'm like what does that even mean like (laughs) imagine like you're talking to your parents and they're like you know what that conversation didn't count it was not five minutes so keep going (laughs) right no no Listen to me. Jesus's prayer is not super long or complex. In fact, he even tells his disciples in this moment, don't just keep babbling because you think that you're going to impress me. Absolutely come to me with everything that you have and that you need. But your many words is not going to like get you brownie points in heaven. He's saying, come to me as you are. I love this. But we believe that lie. Like there's certain right words or there's like a, a formula and I don't know the formula so the prayer's not going to work. The formula is God talking to you and you talking to God. Or here's another lie that we believe, especially when it comes to praying out loud. Everyone is listening, they're weighing and critiquing my prayer. They're not. In fact, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're praying also. And if they're judging you, let God handle that because then they're in a spot that they shouldn't be. Only God is, and I love this, Jesus says, you know what, you should go pray alone in your room because what you do there, the Father is watching and he wants to reward you. God is listening, but he's not listening for the right words, he's listening for your heart. My son, my daughter, will you you come to me just as you are? Would you speak? Will you allow me to change you? Or we think we have to have it all together. Pastor Josh, I can't really pray right now because if you knew my life and you knew the situation and you knew what was going on, there's just just no way. I love this. In Luke chapter 18, we find the story of uh, Jesus. He's telling a story about a tax collector who would have seen it like one of the most disrespectful like worst sinners you could possibly imagine and a Pharisee who was like the most religious person you can imagine and they're both in the same place and they're both praying. And the Pharisee looks over at the tax collector and he prays out loud, God, I thank you that I'm not a despicable sinner like that guy, right? I, and he starts listing all of his little accolades, right? And then it says over here that the tax collector, says that he won't even look to heaven and he's beating his chest. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus looks at the audience and he goes, who do you think God heard? The tax collector. Who went home right before God? The person who realized I don't have it all together, but God, I need you. I mean, if that does not give you and me encouragement to pray, I don't know what does. God is going, I hear you and I see you even in your brokenness. And and this catches too, in the book of James, one of my favorite promises of all time. The Bible says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That promise is sandwiched in the midst of James talking about them having dirty hands and brokenness and they need to come to God. God's promise to come near He's not saying, hey, once you get it all together, once everything is, you fixed your life, then guess what? Come near and I'll come near. No, he's saying, in the midst of your brokenness, come near and I'll come near. When you're hurting, come to me. Or we feel like, again, we have to hide another lie we believe. I have to hide my true feelings and emotions. If I tell God what I'm really feeling and experiencing he would not be happy. First of all, he already knows. David said, you know every word before I even speak it, every thought before I even have it. God is not shocked with your feelings or emotions. He's far happier when you come to him to let him help you filter them and process them. You do not have to hide. Again, going back to David, David was just like, Psalms chapter three, How many are the enemies that surround me, oh God? They're saying that God's not gonna come and rescue you, but you, Lord, are my help, my shield, right? Listen to me. God, God, he wants you to come exactly as you are with your feelings, with your emotions, what you're doing. Don't believe the lives. Or maybe I feel like I have to be good enough to do it and certainly for God to hear and even care. Or I can't pray if I'm struggling with sin. Well, then what about Psalm 51, Psalm 51 is a a psalm right in the midst of David's deepest, darkest sin. And he's saying, God, have mercy on me. Would you take my heart and wash it and make it white as snow? Or we create reasons not to engage. (laughs) We think prayer should just be something that happens organically. Can I just tell you, if you wait for your prayer life to happen organically... It ain't going to happen. Jesus himself woke up early every day to find a place to pray. His schedule was so incredibly busy, there's times he would intentionally sneak away from the crowd to spend time with his Father in heaven. If we don't have a plan, we're planning to fail. We have to make it a priority. That's like saying, um, hey, let's meet up. Great, when do you want to do that? Oh, you know, sometime, someplace tomorrow. I'm sure we'll both figure it out and end up there at the same time and same place. (laughs) Right? If someone told you that and then turned around and walked away, you're like, they're crazy. (laughs) Like, there's no way we're both going to come to the same conclusion, Same, listen to me, but we do that kind of God. I'm sure we'll meet together when it's organically, when that, the stars align and it feels right, and I'll just, I'll just I'll feel like it's time to pray. We just talked about the fact that the enemy strategically targeting your prayer life. Can I just tell you something? He will do everything he can to make prayer feel like it's the last important thing on your schedule. I think it was also Martin Luther who once said, I am so busy, I am so incredibly, my schedule is like absolutely bonkers. It's so incredibly nuts that I must start the first two days, or start first two hours of the day in prayer. What Luther was saying is my schedule is so crazy, it's now so vital I pray even more. If it's a priority, we find a way. If it's not, we find an excuse. Or we think, uh, it should just be something that I feel, it should be easy, it should be natural, it should happen without any discomfort. Are there any good habits in your life that came about that way? Any of you lately try to get a two-year-old to brush their teeth? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I literally held my son down a day ago. Had both arms underneath one. I had this kid in like almost like a neck lock, right? I've got got him down. And the other hand, I'm holding his mouth open while my wife has got like a toothbrush trying to get. Like this was a two-man job, okay? We're trying to like get this toothbrush as he's at the same time screaming at us going, no, right? But then as soon as he was allowed to hold the toothbrush, oh, things changed. Listen to me. If we think that it's going to happen easy or natural or without discomfort, it won't. Whether it's working out, eating right, losing weight, waking up early, skiing, riding a bike, throwing a baseball. How many of you in this room are right-handed? Lefties in the room, anybody? Okay. Oh, we got a lefty, all right. Imagine trying to throw a ball right now from the back of that room to me with the hand that you're not good at. Can I just tell you something? I don't, I'm not even sure I could hit the wall. My right hand, I could get it right to you, but if you're like, Pastor Josh, I need you to throw it to me with your left hand, I'm gonna look incredibly stupid in front of everyone. The my throwing motion's gonna be like, right? <laughs> it's gonna be one of those times because uh, I'm not, it's not natural, it's discomforting for me. But if I practiced it every day, it would become, listen to me, prayer is the same way. If we're expecting it to come natural, we're missing out. Nothing that is worth doing ever feels natural or even comfortable at the beginning. First time I went skiing, I ate a lot of dirt. But by the end of the day, I was having the time of my life. So what is prayer? What prayer is, to truly understand why the enemy hates it so much, we have to have an understanding of what it is. The opening of Luke 11 It says that once Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. There was an awareness as that disciple watched as he heard and as he saw Jesus praying, he said, there's something to be learned here. There's power happening in this moment that I can't really fathom. There's a connectivity to God that I see in the master that I'm following that I don't have but that I want there was a hunger in this disciple saying, Jesus, I, I, I can't right now, but I want to pray to God like you pray to God. There was a consistency that he saw. Imagine you're the disciples and you're just kind of sleeping out in the countryside and out of nowhere. You hear this little stirring and out of nowhere Jesus gets up and he leaves and you're like, what is this dude doing? And then suddenly you watch and he goes and he finds a place and he just starts praying. You see, he saw this was not something that just came at a convenient moment for Jesus. This was something that was planned, that was intentional, and that Jesus himself engaged in. There was a desire to know, so the disciple asked. It's important to note this is the disciples we're talking about. These are the men who would turn the world upside down, and they're asking, hey, I don't know how to. So Jesus, will you teach me how to pray? They felt the tension just like we do. Prayer is a conversation. It's just talking, but to God. But a second thing I love about it is prayer isn't just a conversation, it's an invitation. It's saying, God, you are invited into my life, into my thoughts, into how I process the world that I see, and how I think, and how I view my current circumstances. God, I'm inviting you into my situation. It's a choice, and the primary purpose of prayer is to know and be known by God. There are many different forms of prayer. Can I just tell you something? Sometimes you just driving down the road when you're having the worst day ever, looking at heaven and saying, help. That's a prayer. That's a cry to the Father saying, God, I don't really have it together right now. Can you help God, I, I need you in my situation. I need your presence. God, I need you to change the way I see this because it doesn't make sense to me right now. It can be just an everyday conversation as well. It doesn't always have to be this, like, super profound moment. Some of my favorite prayers ever in my times with God isn't, like, at the altar where it's, like, all emotional or whatever. It's just driving down the road as I'm going, like, okay, God, this is what my day is like, and I'm getting ready to go to this meeting and, Um, Will will you help me to like see it through your eyes? And and just like the normal everyday conversation. Some of my favorite moments with my own son are just normal everyday moments of conversation. Can I tell you something? Your father wants those with you too. Don't minimize that small conversation. That's time with the father. He loves that. It's inviting God into all the details, both big and small. If your relationship with your wife or your husband only ever consisted of just date night, that wouldn't be good. But if it also only ever consisted with just small talk, that wouldn't be good either. Both are needed. And the same is true with your prayer life with God. You need the everyday moments, but then you also need those moments where you set aside dedicated special time where nothing will infringe upon it. There are those moments at the altar where, like, the Holy Spirit's whispered to you and he's saying, hey, it's time for us to deal with this. And you come forward and you're saying, God, I'm available. Use me as you want. Change me. And there's that, like, holy moment where heaven touches earth. That's like date night. But prayer isn't always going to be that way. If you think every single time that you go to pray that it's going to have that same feeling, that same emotion, listen, it's, it's just not. We need both. We need those everyday moments with God. There's power in prayer. There's power with consistency. There's power when we become more aware of God's activity, his presence in our life, when we see his provision, the power to change our situation, and more often than not, prayer changes us. The power of consistency is the fact that whenever you do something over a length of time, you grow. If you did 100 push-ups a day, starting today, imagine where you'd be a year from now. First of all, I can't do 100 push-ups today. (laughs) I'd be lucky to do like five. But if I could, that consistency would create a power and strength that wasn't there. Engaged in once, little strength. Engaged in consistently, massive power. Prayer works that same way. You don't get fit by researching, thinking, or studying the art of doing a push-up. You get fit by doing it. You don't get strong spiritually by studying, researching, and thinking about the habit of prayer. You get spiritually fit by doing it. We also become more aware of God's activity, his presence in our life. Jesus said it this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying inviting us to is, God, will you make me aware of your activity and presence? Will you let me see through heaven's eyes? We then are able to see his provision. As we pray, we're reminded of all the different ways that God's provided for us and cared for us. Give us this day our daily bread. Are we aware of just even the small things how God has come through for us? The ability to change our situation, God can perform the miraculous. The God that we serve is the God that looked at a little kid's lunchable and was like, I'm gonna feed 5,000 people. Broke some bread, tore up some fish. Or Joshua, whenever he looked at the sky and said, sun stand still, and it stood still. God halted the entire heavenlies. But this is what I love. More often than not, prayer changes us rather than changing the situation. Can I... T- More often than not, what happens in this holy moment as we go to him in prayer is, yes, sometimes he dramatically changes the situation. Sometimes he performs miracles. Sometimes, like, he shifts the heavens themselves on behalf of his people's prayer. But more often than not, what happens is is he, with loving kindness, reaches his hands down and starts to reorient our life. He changes me. I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, I can't even believe this person. Can you believe what they said to me? Like, I, I'm just so riled up and I'm so ticked up and I'm so. And then I know where the sweet Holy Spirit's just like, hey, remember when that was you last week? And I'm like, ooh. And God's like, maybe. Maybe just maybe they've got something going on in their life that you don't know about that's causing this anger and you haven't even remotely asked how they're doing. And so they're attacking you, but really they're not attacking you. They're trying to figure out how to handle this situation and they don't know how, and you ended up getting the brunt of it. And suddenly in a moment, what happens is my eyes are seen and suddenly I ask that person, hey, how's everything going? And their defenses are now knocked because instead of attacking them back, the person's checking on their warfare and out of nowhere, suddenly well, you know what? Things aren't exactly as great as they could be. We don't know. See, prayer happens to change us often as we go to the Father in prayer. But we have to make it a habit. It's gotta be something that's put into our life. Maybe it's the first thing when you wake up. Maybe you can capitalize on car ride times. You've got some of you've got a little bit of a ride home today, especially with the snow <laughs> Got a little bit of time to pray. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> Keep your eyes open. Or maybe you can do gap prayers. I call this like, when there's a space between a meeting and an appointment or something that you're doing, you're stuck waiting. Maybe it's in the bathroom, instead of pulling out your cell phone, you go to the God in Prayer. Maybe it's before service. Maybe on Sundays you want to show up a little bit early and say, God, I'm going to give you a couple minutes before service ever begins that I'm just coming to you and saying, will you speak to me today? Maybe you need to start praying with that person, whether it's a best friend, a friend, a spouse. Praying with your spouse daily is vital and important. Maybe it's with your kids on car rides or taking that moment every night before bed. That's one of my most cherished times with my kids I can never ever miss it because they're so accustomed to it now that I'm like, if I'm exhausted and ready to go to bed, Ruby's at the door waiting like, don't even think about it, Dad, you praying with me, right? she's got like that attitude almost like, no, I'm not going to sleep till you pray.' If your kids are in the lobby, feel free. We're going to just throw on some music here just a little bit. It's okay if they're a little bit loud. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a family service. Maybe grab a couple of your kids, find a place here at the altar. We're going to spend just a teeny bit of time in prayer. One of my favorite things to do is ask my kids, hey, what can I pray for you with? You never know. Sometimes it's super serious and sometimes it's the craziest off-the-wall thing in the world. But it's an invitation into their heart. And so we're going to spend just the next few minutes actually practicing the holy habit of prayer. And so if your kids are too young, they don't even know how to talk, even better. (laughs) You can hold them and pray whatever you want over them. But we're going to spend just the next few minutes in prayer. If if you're here with maybe um, a spouse or a loved one or a friend or whatever, just let's maybe pray with them. Or maybe just find yourself a spot and say, God, this is me and you time. Maybe you want to kneel at your chair. You can come to the altar whatever you feel like doing, but we're just gonna spend about four to five minutes or so putting into practice what we talked about today. God is not concerned with you having the right words. He is concerned with having your heart. I wanna close with this. One of my greatest um, spiritual mentors, his name was Matt Anderson. He was the district youth director of the state of Ohio. He tells a story about there was a day and his, his habit of prayer was every morning he would spend time reading his devotion and spend time in prayer. And then he'd get up and he'd leave. And one day he just he finished his time and kind of finished his little checkbox for that day or whatever. And as he got up to leave, the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered in his ear. He goes, hey, Matt, can I come with you today? He's like, well, what do you mean, Lord? And he's like, well, a lot of times you just kind of get up and like you, you put me off to the side here. And like you think like you can go and just do the rest of your stuff. Like I want to be involved in everything. God wants to be involved today in your life. So let's open that door. So if you want to cue the music, we're going to just spend a little bit of time and then I'll close this in prayer. Feel free, find anywhere in this room to pray and we're just going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Let's do it.